Hey, music lovers, the Cannamom Show podcast in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at lampkinguitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N-Guitars.com What's up? It is 3 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon. Thanks for tuning in to Cannabis Legalization News, where we explain marijuana laws so you can change them. Today, we are joined by Jay McGuire from the Texas Hemp Federation. We're going to talk all about hemp and DA in Texas. So let's just get right into it. Hey, 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 Jay. Hey, Mickey. What's up, Tom? Hey. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Cannabis Legalization News. If you are into Delta 8 hemp or Delta 10 or uh, THCO, we have Jay McGuire from the Texas Hemp Federation to bring us up to speed, at least on Delta 8 in Texas. Thanks for joining us, Jay. Glad to be here. Right on. So what is the state, the status in, in Texas with Delta 8? We just wrapped up uh, the regular legislative session at the end of May, so about a month ago. Um, the um, regular legislative session runs from January to the end of May in the odd numbered years. So we managed to escape the regular session, uh, having uh, defeated a plan to ban Delta 8 uh, that was wrapped up in the revisions to the last hemp bill uh, that were passed in 2019. Um, the dynamic was pretty simple. The Senate chairman opposes anything that will get a person intoxicated unless it's covered under our Compassionate Use Act uh, and is incensed that the hemp industry uh, is marketing cannabinoids. Uh, at one point, some language that he he had uh, substituted uh, into the, the House bill when it came over to his committee uh, would have banned all cannabinoids, including CBD. Wow. Wolf. Hey, uh, what uh, party affiliation is this, Kat? Uh, Senator Charles Perry from Lubbock is a Republican. Mm. Which, you know, there's an article in Public uh, Politico that just came out saying that uh, most uh, uh, people are, you know, leaning towards uh, marijuana legalization, and yet these Republicans, for some reason, aren't for it. Like, well, you guys well, figure out what's up with that? Oh, you got it. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Political yeah. is reporting that. The Republicans are watching their states back weed and they're not sold. And that does kind of jive with what, you know, he just with what Jay's mentioning. Uh, 
What justification did he provide for his belief that anything that's got a cannabinoid in it, which could get your mind? Uh, and again, I don't really uh, enjoy the word intoxicate, you know, because that usually means yeah. some type of toxic aspect to it. Uh, change. It does give you an effect. Sure. But uh, did he have any reasoning for it? Senator Perry, uh, let me let me give you a right from the horse's mouth in the the. Senate Water, Agriculture, and Rural Affairs Committee, which he chairs, uh, in the hearing uh, back in late April, uh, Senator Perry said that we legalized hemp for the purpose of fostering the cordage and fiber sector of the industry only, uh, that he was against backdoor legalization of marijuana. He was hostile to the point of rudeness and abusiveness towards all of the opposition witnesses, including me. But why? Um, that day. Like, I because, understand that he's mad. Sure. But why? Because he's a, pro- he's a prohibitionist. Okay? Yeah, he's one of the six, 60% of Texans, as of, according to the UT Texas Tribune poll conducted back in March, 60% of Texans favor legalization either of any amount or of small amounts for any use at all. Uh, he is one of of the 13% never legal. Um, well, excuse me, medical purposes only, which is about 28%. Um, but he's, he is uh, a, a devout Baptist. Uh, he absolutely uh, is uh, a prohibitionist about uh, any drugs. He's also, you know, kind of a hardliner on alcohol too. So this is a guy who just, you know, has some family issues with alcoholism. He's got a a drug warrior mentality. uh, Projecting that onto the 28 million Texans, you know, two thirds of whom were very happy if this were simply legal so that they could, uh, you know, use it as, as a adult citizens ought to be able to use it. Seriously, I mean, like 13% of the population, especially the 13% of the population that's the most uh, radically um, religious, they, they just can't be like, we don't like this. Therefore, we are going to re- arrest all 83% of you who want to get the, this law changed. That's not how democracy works. But now that Texas's uh, legislature has uh, adjourned for this session, when do they reconvene? So this is a little complicated. Um, the the governor has called the legislature back for a special session on July 8th. Uh, in Texas, special sessions um, are entirely the exclusive power to call one is the governor's, and he sets the agenda. So the, he's calling the legislature back to, to consider – uh, a voting restriction bill uh, that Republicans refer to as a uh, uh, like the clean ballot bill. Um, people who really know what's going on recognize that it's just a modern day Jim Crow bill designed to keep you know Democrats, black and brown people away from the ballot box as much as they can get. Um, the the governor is incensed because the. How, uh, Legislative Democratic Caucus left the building to break the quorum, the minimum number of members that have to be present to conduct business so they could kill that bill. Hmm. Uh, He, after session, vetoed the legislative branch's budget. So he's trying to force them to come back at at gunpoint. Um, 
all of that is by way of saying we have no idea whether the hemp bill is important enough to be traded uh, in part of the political jockeying that happens in a special session between the governor, the lieutenant governor, and the speaker uh, on what he's going to allow on the agenda aside from um, the voting suppression bill. I, I think he's also he's also very interested in seeing the bill that bans transgendered kids from competing in UIL sports to be passed. And I have to point out that Senator Perry is carrying that bill in the Senate. So um, those are important bills for the Republican uh, election strategy uh, in the midterms. Uh, that's why we're coming back. It's very possible that banning marijuana or ban- banning hemp uh, cannabinoids, hemp-derived cannabinoids, will be important enough that he'll add it. We don't know. We're also a little bit concerned that uh, the um, the ban on Delta-8 uh, could be taken up administratively at the State Department – I'm sorry, the Department of State Health Services, which we refer to as DISHES. Um, some of you follow uh, cannabis uh, legislation might know that DISHES banned uh, smokable hemp. 18 months ago. Uh, That's been subject to a lawsuit that's being um, uh, supported by Crown Distributing. It's Crown Distributing versus Texas or or Crown Distributing versus Abbott, I think. Um, Great company, former client of mine. Uh, And that uh, ban on smokable hemp has been temporarily enjoined. I've watched the hearings. It's not going well for the state. Uh, The judge has not called us back for a, a hearing yet. After the legislative session, we think the judge was waiting for the legislature to sort of work on the hemp revisions. And uh, since the legislature didn't act, don't know whether the court's going to act. It is absolutely possible that dishes will be uh, dissuaded from uh, acting outside of the scope of the statute by just banning it regulatorily uh, because they're getting their butts handed to them in this lawsuit and they know it. So I think it would not be a wise move, but state agencies don't have to pay legal fees. The attorney general is there for free. Um, And they they are likely under some pressure from Senator Perry and and the prohibitionist quarters in the legislature uh, to do something about what they think of as, you know, backdoor marijuana. I mean, Delta 8 is nothing like what they think it is. They're completely misinformed. But these are people who are often wrong, but never in doubt. Uh, about their yes. Why are they so often wrong, but they're never in doubt? If one of them was joining us right now, that we would be talking to like a brick wall and this would all just jump right back off of them. Like, you know, water uh, down a duck's back. Uh, and I just don't understand it. I, I want to see the documentary on that where it's just it just doesn't sink in. How come people just don't get stuff quite often when it just disagrees with their political line? You know? I mean, that's just, that's just human nature is that we, yeah. uh, you know, we're subject to, to not changing our beliefs as we get older. That's got to do with with neurochemistry. There's a guy named Sapolsky who's got a whole he's a Stanford neurobiologist. He's got a whole series of YouTube videos that are fascinating about how our political beliefs harden as we get older. But part of it has got to do, you know, with the way the the boomer generation uh, was split. Uh, the, the culture war originated during their, you know, their tenure uh, and uh, 
you know, it was the Nixon administration that passed the 1970 Controlled Substance Act that banned, you know, all medical research and all uses of marijuana. But it I had to be it 80s. had to be the Congress, though. That's the thing. I mean, like uh, we oh, and yeah. the show, we do a lot of nuance between the balance and the interplay of the government. And so, like, uh, because of the, the the administration that's in power in Texas right now, you could have greens. You know, it could be great for you or it could just be terrible because they're out against the policy that you're advocating for. So, you know, Nixon was, of course, declared drugs to be, uh, you know, uh, public enemy number one, and then like told Congress to work together to create the Controlled Substances Act, and they did. Crazy, That's right? Yeah. Well, and Jay, you're also in a state where the politicians they can come at and be like, like you're saying that one politician has that transgender gender bill, right? Bills that have no relevance and, and, and want to just limit actually other people's like existence, but then at the same time, something important like cannabis or hemp, uh, you. The closed mindness of it all, like like you guys are saying, you know, they won't sit in a room with us and talk, you know, because a lot of it will no, be an impassioned talking too. That's right. It'll be us yelling at them, be like, "Are you fucking kidding me? People are in jail dying." But that's the thing we have Bruce. to like take it down. This has got to do. This has got to do with indoctrination, right? The 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 just say no campaign that I grew up. You know, buying hook, line and sinker as a teenager started a lot earlier. Senator Perry's generation, you know, really. Uh, bought the line that marijuana was associated with um, undesirable elements in society. It was associated with crime. It was associated with racial issues. Um, and that's the nicest way I can put it for you. Um, mm-hmm. That's certainly present. Uh, you know, the, that, that, that act, the Controlled Substances Act and the Crime Control Act in 1970 and other associated legislation gave rise to mass incarceration. When we're talking about the bill that the Governor Abbott is calling this legislature back into session to pass, it's exactly the same culture war issue that it's always been. It's keep black and brown people from voting. Well, the, the Controlled Substance Act and the Crime Control Act were about putting black and brown people in prison. Um, to pre- yeah. prevent them from uh, voting and and having a fair stake in this society's uh, governance. So you're talking about people who have a vested interest in maintaining the status quo because their political party benefits from it. Well, their increasingly the- old white political party benefits from it. Yeah, but the ones in charge of your state, unfortunately, are also the ones pushing the bullshit in Arizona and want to push the same bullshit in your state, which is like, we lost, but we don't know how. Like this, you know, right. the, the, the shit that was going on, Republicans are too busy distracting their, their people, right? Like, like Tom and I said before, we don't care if it's Republican, Democrat, but majority of people coming against cannabis have been Republican. I think there's been like two people pro- uh, cannabis. One, you know, one bill was guns, and the other bill was Matt Gates. You know, and we all know about Matt Gates, right? Like the guy didn't like. He's not a champion. He's just some sleazeball that got deep pocket. So, how how do you think? Um, so, when is that uh, coming up for you? The special session? Yeah, that comes up uh, July eighth. Uh, we'll see how it goes. If the legislature doesn't give the governor what he wants, he can call them back. You know, in thirty day increments. So we may be here for a while. Maybe not. Uh, the two the two potential threats there, of course, like I said, are that that the bill will be added to the agenda, or the DSHS will try to regulate 
cannabinoids like Delta Eight out, out of the uh, out of the market. It's also possible that Senator Perry will try to get the go- lieutenant governor to give him the authority to conduct a, a study over the next 18 months before the next regular session. Uh, that interim study could be stacked with people that support his point of view. Yeah, uh, any more of those? No. So those are the those are the three. The three I love the studies where I things could go wrong for us. But isn't it, aren't those the best studies? The ones where you get to pick the people doing it, so you can say what you wanted to say. Just right. be like, you know what? I'm going to get some studies that say how awesome I am. Uh, I'm going to pick all my best friends. They're going to say how awesome I am, or, or this particular conclusion. I want this conclusion. I know it's out there. Go find it for me. That's yeah. right. But we'll we'll push back. I mean, the Texas Hemp Federation was uh, created you know, about two years ago. Uh, largely, we were convened by Lucas Gilkey at Hometown Hero. I mean, it's one of the companies that's one of the most, uh, I think, forward thinking in our state about the regulatory and legal environment. Lucas's company um, supported our lobby effort very heavily uh, in the last six months uh, and has helped uh, us get access to other uh, stakeholders in the industry that weren't aware of, of what was going on. But um, uh, we got we basically were funded or founded rather and funded to prevent the prohibitionists from regulating us out of the market. And that's what they want to do. And we're here to tell them, no, I'm not. Uh, you know, I haven't been asked to carry a brief uh, to legalize marijuana. I haven't been asked to, uh, you know, make revisions to the medical marijuana bill or, or the medical marijuana act. I have been asked only to make sure that hemp derived cannabinoids remain legal in Texas. That's it. Yeah. As as the definition, the federal definition of hemp says. All can, cannabinoids. Now, of course, we're not ta- talking about one specific cannabinoid, Delta 9 THC. Other than that, that's like the only delineation mark when it comes to cannabinoids under uh, Texas hemp law. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, fantastic. But um, that's just nuts that they always look through that. uh, And then it has to get back to how Delta 8's made versus all these other ones. Uh, Is there any position that's out there in Texas that says that this Delta 8 isomer is not uh, hemp? If it was derived itself from uh, FDA, well, not FDA, USDA uh, compliant uh, farm bill grown hemp. Our, our position, my position, the Texas Hemp Federation's position, the industry's position is that Delta 8 is a downstream product refined from legal hemp derived CBD. That's it. It is not a synthetic in the sense that the prohibitionists are trying to convince people that it's like spice or K2, which are, you know, purely unrelated chemicals, not hemp derived. Correct. Uh, that, yeah. that were actually dangerous. Correct. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they the, the antis here get benefit from the moral panic and the fear that they can create uh, when people remember you know, what was going on with Spice and K2. And, you know, there were other sort of uh, synthetic drugs at the same time. I can't remember. I think it was called Crocodile, you know, where people mm. were, were. Yeah, that was the zombie out. one, right? Yeah. And they're and they're and they're conflating it with bath salts. And this is yeah. just a, a snow job. Right. Yeah. It, 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 it it's it's an effort to avoid talking about what the actual what this product here, Delta 8, does mm-hmm. for people. Right. Delta 8 is, you know. From what I have been told anecdotally by uh, con- 
consumers who've been solicited by the industry for feedback, what I've been told by the stakeholders in the Federation, what I've observed myself in my own use is it's good for anxiety. It's good for pain. It's good for inflammation. You know, I know that there is a little bit of science going on out there about, uh, you know, use in glaucoma and use in and helping people who are under, using uh, chemo, getting chemotherapy with their appetite and their uh, their nausea. Um, well, why would you want to ban that? You know, if if a state that refused to expand Medicaid which has 25% of a population that is uninsured. So 20, a quarter of our, of our population doesn't have access to medical care. You can go to the corner store and buy Delta 8 gummies to deal with your neck and shoulder pain. You, you don't have to go to a doctor to get an expensive prescription for weak medical marijuana or an opioid or some other mainstream pharmaceutical product. So, that's kind of the roundabout answer to your question is that the emergence of Delta 8 onto the market is disrupting, on one hand, traditional pharma's exclusive you know, uh, market oh, over man. pain relievers other than uh, medical marijuana. And it's disrupting this new medical marijuana scheme that amounts to a few license holders trying to sell the public on the idea that they can use marijuana in very small amounts to get some relief. And I'm here to tell you, nobody likes it. It's 1%. It's in suspenser oil that disrupts people's digestive systems. They're not getting the relief that they think that they were going, they thought they were going to get. And so that are you referring to people? Is this the medical marijuana now? Because we were on Delta 8. If this is medical marijuana, let's take a quick break for some 420 for some regular flour or for whatever else you guys are having at home. Shout out to 42365 for sponsoring that. If your cannabis brand wants to sponsor the 420 somewhere, get in touch with us uh, on Instagram at Cannabis Industry Lawyer. So let's kind of discuss then. I wanted to ask about the, and, and joining us, of course, is Jay McGuire with the Texas Hemp Federation. I wanted to know how difficult it is to get a hemp license in Texas uh, to cultivate. Or do they also have a processor's license in Texas, or is that not a thing? We, no, it's not a thing here. Uh, you, you, there's a retail hemp license and there's a grower's license. Not hard at all. The 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 difficulty. Um, I think what I was trying to explain earlier is that the forces arrayed against Delta Eight and arrayed against the 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 hemp derived cannabinoid sector of the hemp industry is the prohibitionists. It's the medical marijuana guys. It's pharma. Um, and, you know, some other smaller groups out there. So in terms of industrial, agricultural, you know, sort of non-cannabinoid related um, applications, we have absolutely no trouble here. Um, our Agriculture Commission, um, Co- Commissioner Sid Miller, has been, I think, as helpful as he has been he can be uh, to the industry as we try to get established. We just harvested our first legal crop of hemp a few months ago here. Uh, wow. Awesome. You know, in a century. So he's been, he's been great. Uh, and remember we did kill 
the legislature did not enact that Delta eight ban. So, you know, the farmers that have have got hemp crops are very happy about that. What's driving commodity prices and what's driving this market is uh, extracts for Delta eight. Like I got concentrate or things are being fused or uh, when you say extracts. I'm just telling you that Delta Eight is the reason that we have a hemp industry in Texas right now. Oh, right on. Shout out so, to THCO, the uh, lesser known cannabinoid you'll be hearing more about in the future. Uh, so smash them likes and uh, click subscribe to hear more about THCO in a future episode. Go ahead, Miggy. I was going to say, you know, Jay, like you were saying, the prohibitionists, the ones who, like, for whatever reason, you're in Texas and your own job is just to make sure that Texans meet just the federal uh, standard, right? Like to, to be allowed to meet that spec. At the same time, Texans seem to be cracking down on, uh, or at least Texas, not Texans, but Texas seems to be cracking down on the, uh, the cannabinoids, like you're saying, like the whole prohibitionist. Um, and like Tom was saying earlier, too, like we, we take uh, uh, offense to the word, you know, intoxication, right? Like, we need like a, a big marijuana leaf, you know, like a doll, like googly eyes. And then we can go up to these guys and go, show me on the doll where this plant has hurt you. Yeah, right. I'm still trying to digest. Like, why do you know? Like, so when these bills are coming through to like start, uh, you know, being state specific towards hemp, do you know who helped initiate that bill? <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. Show me on a doll. My green screen yeah. is screwing with it. Like I, it was hilarious that Miggy brought this up. We we weren't ready for this yet, but um, um, I I'll, I'll do that later. That I, green I like green. the hemp puppet a lot. Yeah, you need the hemp puppet yeah. because I uh, Miggy and I have had this joke for a while. I built that like in 2012 when I was hyping my book on uh, the cannabis laws, and, and uh, so anyway, uh, I just have that thing around. You know, just you need to have a, a marijuana doll so you can have these types of. Um, they, they're really absurd. Like, well, that's what the whole thing that I really don't get is it's just based in lies, but like real sincere lies where they're like, oh, no, we can't have this. This is terrible. This is terror. And they just won't listen to any. Like, if you told them that they had an endocannabinoid system, they may explode. Good. We we don't we don't have those in Lubbock. Endocannabinoid systems. Probably not. Yeah. Um, I think Senator Perry's sincere. He has a sincere belief, and and I use him as one example. I don't want to pick on him, but legislators who who have the same mindset sincerely believe that marijuana is an addictive and harmful substance, and they're simply wrong. Uh, And the only way we we will never convince most of them, um, but they're in the minority. And I want to point out that Senator Perry lost. His bill did not pass. The The House chairman, Tracy King, was uh, refused to concur with the Senate amendments and pulled down his own bill, which is a shame because the, the bulk of the bill, the most most of the bill was good for the industry. Mm. Um, you know, it had some other provisions in it that would let farmers uh, keep their crop in, in the ground a few extra days a month, um, which is important because uh, uh, having to do with, with the THC levels in the plant when it goes for, uh, for testing. Um, there were some other stuff in there that was, was, uh, that was good for the industry. And unfortunately, Senator Perry's you know, hard-line anti-cannabinoid attitude um, made it impossible for the House to pass it. So, yeah, we have opponents here, but we're winning right mm-hmm. now. 
That's that's what you need to know. And, like and, and we will keep winning so long as people in the as long as the companies in the industry continue to pay attention and respond uh, when trade associations like mine tell them that they've got to show up, they've got to fund the lobby team, they've got to get their customers involved, they've got to let us coordinate the grassroots action to get phone calls and letters written to legislators, uh, and they need to pay their association dues so that we can keep the effort going. Yeah, that's right. Because the organization uh, of it, I mean, like that, that's something that I like to see when uh, cannabis is legalized or uh, regulated differently in a particular state. There will always be a trade organization that invariably starts uh, or, yeah. or this type of association. And at its core, all these are, are corporations. And cannabis, if anything else, is quite a corporate thing. So understanding how they work and building teams and committees and all that type of stuff uh, is important. Uh, it's simply because it's just an aspect of the organization and, and the you know, you, you have to. Yeah. I mean, you have to operate in such a way. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. A trade association executive's job. My job is to take companies that are you know, probably fierce competitors um, and help them understand where their common enemy is and help them organize to prevent whatever it is that enemy is trying to do to them from happening. Uh, I'm not here to get everybody to hold hands and sing kumbaya all the time. They're going to leave the capital and they're going to go beat the hell out of each other in the marketplace. And that's what capitalism is. Um, not in Illinois. For the purpose of, of preventing bad legislation and for the purpose of educating the public about the benefits of hemp products, uh, you know, you've got to have an organization that is there to be the public face. We need advocates. I mean, yeah, you're totally like, I, I wish in, in Washington State, that's what killed our medical scene. Our, our medical people never can get their shit together and, and gather as an organization because, as Tom said before, when it comes down to making policy, get your checkbook out. That's nothing to do with, you know, who you vote for. Has, I mean, it, it does, but like they're already there yeah. now. And they're all taking that that payola, whatever it is. And, and you got to find now for you guys, though, Jay, because it's all, again, strategy as well. Um, are you are you are you eyeballing people like Perry and going, OK, who is your competitor and how can I make you look at us and say, yes, this is who I, you know, like how, what, what's your influence over that guy? I mean, I think my 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 preferred strategy is is to make uh, is to educate legislators and to make friends of people who don't know yet uh, about the benefits of these products, so that we're not allowing the other side to define what we are. This this roll on uh, you know muscle uh, ointment that uh, hometown hero manufactures right here outside of Austin, Texas, uh, you know helps me. So I. You know, I've given it to some legislators who I know have back or neck pain or knee pain, and they're giving me good feedback that it's working for them. So bit by bit, we're trying to help people become familiar with it so that they recognize that, you know, this is not uh, El Chapo trying to, to import illegal stuff into the United States that's going to kill people. This right. is a, you know, this is a downstream refined legal hemp derived product that is helping people with pain, inflammation, anxiety. And that's all it is. Then how do you do the labeling? So like we know that's one of the the arguments that I hear as well. They just say Delta 8. They could slap anything in there. You know, where's the purity control and and standards? 
I, every every one of the products for the stakeholders of my association, this is nice. Lucas's product, nice. has a QR code on it that goes right to the the, the, the lab report. Um, you know, I can tell you just from, from talking to manufacturers in, in our group, Naturally Hemp's, Lucas's company, for example, everything that they put on the market is tested uh, and every bottle's got a QR code on it and they've never had anything come back you know positive for Delta 9 THC they've never had anything come back hot for heavy metals or any of the other stuff list right. area the stuff that you've got to test for what do you think about front running it. on that like what that? Uh, to, uh, to combat this uh, negative Nelly that we're never it's gonna like if he was here it'd be like a brick wall ladies and gentlemen we are talking to a brick wall that's Senator Perry uh, what if we then go on offense and, and, you know, define cannabinoid and say, like, you know, it has to be tested and then, like, you know, show it's and then the QR code has to be on there. And then they'll they'll, you know, finally give you the ability to operate your lawful business. We're we're absolutely um, looking at creating a set of industry best practices that if you if you want to be a member of our group, you've got to agree to. So marketing practices, labeling practices. Um, you know, agreeing to comply with all, you know, best practices and relevant uh, local, state and federal laws. I mean, that's just what trade associations do. We don't want to be representing companies that are bad actors. We know there might, there's right. some outliers in every industry yeah. right. you know, that are going to make and a quick buck. Wild um, West industry. Sell, I mean, this is a wild West industry. You know, like, well, that's that's one of the risk factors that we have. The Wild West industry style of a field that is the Delta 8 hemp or the hemp derivatives market. And as a result of that, you know, you almost kind of have to welcome some type of that regulation or that type of industry standard. So you can have that stamp on your product that says it's better than that other guy's product. You know, that's yeah, for sure. And, and, And we would absolutely um, be willing to um, participate in a discussion with the legislature about what appropriate regulation looks like for cannabinoids like like Delta-8. Uh, nobody is saying that we just want a Wild West market forever. Um, we would have been willing to accept uh, some limits and, uh, like, say, appropriate age gating for our products, just like vape products. Uh, but Senator Perry didn't want to hear any of that. He just wanted to ban Delta-8. So that was those were, that was the option on the table. It was survival or, or extinction, and uh, we fought for survival. In the future, in the future, we will absolutely participate in whatever dialogue Senator Perry or or you know uh, anyone on the House side would want to have with us about what the right way, the right approach uh, to making certain that consumers are protected um, and. That's reasonable, and that's what any respectable industry that wants to be good corporate citizens should do. Hundred percent. You know, um, shit. I just lost what I was going to say because I was going to say besides. Oh yeah, besides the wellness point where we, where we, you know, you're trying to convince these politicians like, okay, look, you have an endocannabinoid system entwined with your body, your nervous system. It's up there with like when you're uh, deficient in vitamin C and you get scurvy, your body likes THC, endocannabinoid system, all that stuff. But have you also discussed the origins of prohibition? Because Texas is one of the first states to, to, to initiate laws against uh, uh, cannabis. You know, the, 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 the origins of prohibition alone should help people like kind of wake up. Be like, so you mean there was no real science? You know, you mean you don't turn to a bat? I mean, <laughs> what is what's, what's going to take to get these guys? Well, there, 
there are others out there that are doing a really good job of uh, unpacking the the racist and um, um, religious uh, religiousist uh, background of prohibition. It's you know, so not really uh, in my my wheelhouse, but I'm well aware that the reason that we have these laws is largely motivated by. Uh, culture war and one party and one particular race trying to stay on top guys who look like us mm-hmm. sorry you know don't don't agree with them and uh spent my entire career trying to undo that uh myself i think there are plenty of people who have uh, uh understand that the reason that we have uh these laws is is to uh give the law enforcement industrial complex uh, a reason to lock people up What the heck is with privatized prisons? Why do we have those? You know? But go ahead, Miggy. I was going to say, as Jay was talking about how, like, you know, the the origins of the war, the race war and everything. So, so Jay, the the, the words critical race theory don't get you all in your skivvies, don't get you all stirred up, like, oh, in denial. (laughs) Come on. I mean, look, first off, critical race theory is is, is like a pinata that that the right is just sort of stuffing all of its anxieties into and beating the hell out of with its big stick. All right. It's like, it's like Antifa. Antifa, it does not exist as a threat to the United States. You know what does right-wing terrorists do? But in order to distract from the fact that their own people stormed the Capitol, the right is going to talk to you all day about Antifa and the threat of Antifa. This is no different, right? Critical race theory. Hey, I grew up in the Pasadena ISD public schools in Texas. You know what I learned? I learned that marijuana had no medical applications whatsoever. I learned that it was addictive and I learned that it was dangerous. I also learned that slaves were happy. I learned that they were treated like family. I personally saw slave papers at show and tell in fifth grade. All right. The Klan marched in my hometown in 1979 on the July 4th parade. We're not that far away from Jim Crow and from segregation and from slavery. We're not. And you can't separate the politics and the history of prohibition and race. Not especially in the South, and and you know I'm not going to single Texas out as being any better or worse than other states. It's just a it's just a fact. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I just wanted to stir that up. <laughs> yeah, and I think critical. I think the the rights the rights uh, using critical race theory is the latest thing to scare their voting base with. It's well, just yeah, they, they just they, the, the industry the one more time. Yeah. That's what they're doing it with. Yeah, the industry of inflammation. They just whip people up into a frenzy and we'll be back after commercial. And then you come back and then they whip you up into a frenzy and it's like, tune in tomorrow, more frenzy. Well, I wanted to steer this back to talking about the medical or the legalization scene that may be coming through in Texas because it seems like Jay's painting this fairly ominous picture of like uh, the medical, and I've seen their medical program. It does suck. I'm kind of helped happy that we talked about their hemp program and it, it appears right now is a quite uh, open market. So you can get your, your license to cultivate. And then after you cultivate, you can process it into uh, high quality uh, Delta, well, high quality cannabinoid products. Let's call them that. Uh, and that's fantastic. That is something to preserve, but what's going on in the medical front, Jay? Well, I, you know, that's the, the, the medical guys are not in our camp. Uh, they've got their own interests that they're looking out for. You know, they they got in with the state. 
they uh, got their licenses, their dispensary licenses. They're a very limited number of them. Uh, and they're, they've got millions and millions and millions of dollars invested and all of that is at risk because they're not allowed to prescribe the amounts that you can get in other states or that people just get from illegal marijuana, frankly, if they've got the kind of medical condition they need that level of relief. So um, the medical marijuana guys were against us. They threw Delta 8 under the bus during the legislative session. They were telling people all kinds of things that weren't true, uh, that people use Delta 8 to get high exclusively. And I, I don't believe that at all. I think most people Damn. take Delta 8 as a, you know, anxiety or pain or inflammation relief or to help them sleep at night. You'd have to take a lot of Delta 8 uh, to get a buzz. You know, and again, um, hemp and so, cannabis consumption is not uh, like alcohol where it stays with you and you're drunk for hours. If you have that high, you're only going to be there for like a good two minutes and you're feeling fine for the rest of the day. Like you, In the amounts that are recommended, in the amounts that they are marketed to, the products that our industry produces do not get people high. If you take enough of it, you're going to get a buzz, but it's not the kind of buzz that people get off a pot, for one. It's no, not even close. And so it's not – the average consumer of Delta 8 isn't looking for that. That's not that's not what the, the products are there for. However, the our opponents really believe that this is just marijuana light uh, and that people are using it to, just to get high. And there's no – you know – so the compassionate use guys um, were concerned because we're basically competing for the same – the same customers. That's that's what I think. That's what our lobby team reported back to me from what they were hearing was being said by, um, you know, compassionate uh, cultivation and some of the other companies, uh, representatives in the capital were saying. I think that they tried to get the cap lifted from 1% to 5%. And unfortunately, that uh, that, that just didn't fly. They also tried to expand the number of uh, or the list of covered conditions. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, the same prohibitionists were able to strip out chronic pain as a covered condition. You know, these people with they really believe this is just a philosophical viewpoint. They would rather restrict the relief that genuine sufferers can get rather than allow anybody to get away with something or cheat. Right. You know, they wouldn't want to. My point of view is if I accidentally help somebody who's in it for the wrong reasons, but I'm I'm helping, you know, 99 people take care of their whatever, their pain, their inflammation, their, their suffering, mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. But that's not the prohibitionist viewpoint. The prohibitionist viewpoint is we got to keep people from getting high at all costs. Yeah, but and the prohibition is never— They don't care about your pain. They don't care mm-hmm. about your brain, tra- traumatic brain injury. They don't care about your PTSD. Um, if they did— uh, they would they would take a harder look at raising the cap, or they just legalize it. But they don't. Well, they did a really good job of putting you guys against each other because I hate to say the reason because of the cap is so low. Essentially, the medical program is hemp. You know what I mean? Like in, in, in my in my first world recreational world, where I just bought fucking a bag of endo mixed flour. You know, this is how much was that bag? We, we should play a little bit of uh, let's let's get, let's get a price oh, yeah. check on me. Got quarter right. here. Let's see that. Baba Crush, seven gram, seven grams. Uh, Let me show you this nugs. So I, I just put one in the grinder and uh, broke it all up. But these little guys are dense too. They're nice little. I just got uh, name that strain. Unfortunately, we already showed the name. <laughs> yeah. Bubba but, uh, 
Seven grams, 50 bucks. Seven grams for $50. That is a quarter for $50 of high quality premium indoor flour. All right. Uh, Some parts of America are pretty good. So why would you go to a doctor to get a prescription, to go to a dispensary, to get 1% in a suspenser oil when you could just go to somebody who's going out to Washington State or Colorado or get it sent to you over the internet? Or Oklahoma. Or Oklahoma, our northern neighbor. But that's um, exactly it. So, um, you know, I, I've got, we don't have anything against the, the medical marijuana industry. I'm just pointing out that that was what they did in the legislative session. Um, we really would like to build uh, some relationships with them so the industry doesn't, you know, engage in that kind of circular firing squad strategy. That's, that's just not yeah. good for anybody. Well, be careful. Yeah. We ought to be talking the about the benefits. Right. But be careful with the industry. If you already have that tiny, insular, huge, uh, unprofitable medical, they just try to take the field when it goes adult use. And so really, if you have your own marching paper, or like your own bill uh, language when it comes to how to legalize, if they could just be really, really small, that would be fantastic because then you can, you've kind of like contained the beast and then you can create a licensing strategy where you give the licenses out in a broad uh, distributed way and just kind of cut the, uh, cut the Golgothans uh, that are, that are already operating out of the market while you can. I mean, they're going to get right. in. Yeah. yeah. We call that rent seeking. In, in political science. Golgothans is a great word, though. Um, Thanks. Uh, um, but rent-seeking is basically when an industry uh, lobbies to get public policy that guarantees their market and restricts entry of competition. Um, and, and, you know, medical marijuana is rent-seeking for all the right reasons. You know, they're in the business of trying to help people with medical conditions that, uh, that they need help with. Um, and it's unfortunate that we've been pitted against each other. But that's what that's what happens in a state where the prohibitionists are in charge. So um, so for yeah. right now, Delta eight and other cannabinoids are safe. We will lift. We have lived the fight another day. I don't know when that day is coming, whether it's the July 8th special session or some subsequent special or whether it's going to be a regulatory action. But we know that Senator Perry and the others on, you know, of his viewpoint are not are not happy at all. Uh, and they're they're going to come after us again. So we're we're maintaining our, our presence. I've got three lobby firms working for us, really talented people at Longbow Partners and Cross Oak, a fellow named Ron Hinkle, who's the former sergeant at arms of the House. We've got an excellent parliamentarian on our, our, our team who helps us fight uh, find points of order, technical points that you kill a bill with. Uh, and we have an outstanding nice. attorney, Andrea Steele, at Coach Rose in Houston. Um, that all costs a great deal of money. I think Hometown Hero uh, spent some somewhere in the in the hundred eighty thousand dollar range just in fees from January forward. Uh, but that's what it takes. We think that cannabinoids are a half a billion dollar industry in Texas already. So, you know, I just hope that the people out there, uh, you know, mom and pops especially, pay attention uh, and get active and involved uh, or the prohibitions are going to come take your business away. That's, That's exactly it. what Senator Perry said. He said, I want y'all out of this state. He said, it is a cold place to be in your kind of industry in Texas. A cold wow. place. Wow. That's, uh, you know, unfortunate. He he compared he compared one of the witnesses uh, to the drug cartels. Oh my goodness! A guy who's a farm a, a PhD pharmacology student who runs an ISO certified lab here in Austin. 
Um, and, and just all he so said was, shit. Senator, you know, we employ so many people and we pay our taxes. And Perry's response was, well, the cartels pay their taxes, too. We don't care about that. I mean, not only is he wrong about that, it's yeah. <laughs> point, but but it tells it's a clue to his thinking. Yeah. yeah. Talk, talk about tipping your hat, you know, man, uh, that really sucks on it. But, um, you know, it seems like it's a great place to do business for right now. But it would be a terrible place to like try to expand, you know. Uh, which has I, to I don't really... know about that, man. I I think every every state is it, it sort of buys its piece a couple of years at a time in between yeah. legislative sessions. Even where where there is an unrestricted market or a looser market, every session you you're going to have interests try to restrict us or regulate us further in a way that makes it harder to do business. So everybody's got to fight this, and you know we're keeping our eyes on other states. Uh, you know I've got a public policy background in in uh, uh, in public affairs. You know, going back 30 years and I've operated in, in Virginia, Florida, the southern states and Washington, D.C. So, uh, you know, we, the Texas Hemp Federation is 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 out there to help uh, companies that are doing business in multiple states. Well, you know, sure we, their markets are secure. We, we, we talked about the wellness side of things, but do you have industrial people like people involved with like Hemp Creek? You know, because I'd imagine they'd want them to be involved in policy making as well, too, because any policy affects both sides of their businesses. Right. Like you test too yeah. hot. There goes your and all the other stuff. You know, a competing trade association run by a, a friend of mine, um, guys, a, a, a sort of a relative by marriage, um, really is is mostly their lane is mostly focused on agricultural and industrial use, and and they you know they were sort of on Senator Perry's side. They wanted to ban cannabinoids too if it meant that they could get what they wanted out of the hemp bill. Um, and I don't uh, know uh, what the the the, the hemp creep people are, are doing business wise. I that we they had one guy who made a point of telling this the, the committee that his wife was a sixth generation Texan and that they had so many thousands of acres under cultivation uh, and that he was making deer feed uh, out of out of hemp stalks which is which is huge in a state where you know hunting yeah. is a big thing around here um, and that's great and we support it and we think it's wonderful but there's no reason for that sector of the industry uh, to go along with the bullshit narrative that we're bad um, they are just as legitimate as Texans, as citizens of this state, as anybody who's been here for six generations. We are just as legitimate as anybody engaging in agriculture or industry. We are just as legitimate as as any other uh, business that walked into that hearing that day. But Senator Perry singled out the the, the hemp extracts, cannabinoids industry, uh, and wrongly so. Because we're not El Chapo and we're not the cartels. Full stop. Crazy, man. Jay, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, where can we go to find or follow what you guys got going on at Texas Hemp Federation? You, can, you guys can always find me on Facebook, Jay McGuire. Uh, the Texas Hemp Federation dot com is our website. And my email address is J. I'm sorry, is McGuire, M-A-G-U-I-R-E at Texas Hemp Federation dot com. Happy to uh, happy to talk to anybody uh, about hemp policy in Texas or any other state. Awesome. Thank you so much again. And thanks for tuning in, everyone. Make sure you like and subscribe to keep up with all cannabis legalization news. We'll see you on Wednesday.